Hello, this is Todd Adams. This is Kathy Adams. Welcome back to Zen Parenting Radio, episode number 185. We have to do a celebration for our 200th, sweetie. We do. That'll be in about three months. Maybe it'll be around, I don't know, it'll be fall. So it'll be football time. Great. We'll have a football party. Are you ready for some football? Um, So Zen Parenting Radio, it's a discussion between a spiritual and emotional mom, that's you, and a logical and practical dad, that's me. We have three daughters, ages 6, 9, and 11, and our goal is to give you the resources to become a better parent, but more importantly, to become a better you. And always remember, as you drink your coffee, sweetie, that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. So we are all over the place today. Are we? Not a lot of uh, preparation. I think it all has a common thread. It does to just be cool, man. No. Oh. The common thread is that... um... (laughs) I haven't done sound effects in a month, so I think I'm going to overdo the sound effects Okay, is that making fun of me that when I say things... (laughs) (laughs) Actually... Sweetie, you are really good on the show. And I many times I'm thinking ahead to what I'm going to ask you next. I'm not present. And then I'll go listen to the show afterwards. I'm uh-huh. like, wow, that was really good. Well, and sometimes when, well, thank you. I'll take that compliment. But sometimes, <laughs> <laughs> sometimes when we are talking across from each other like this, I can tell you're not listening to me because I've said something that's somewhat profound to you, mm-hmm. meaning it's something we've discussed and you just move right on. Well, and- So I know that you haven't. Well, and I feel like um, you are almost always looking at me when I'm talking. Yeah. I would say 40% of the time I'm looking at you when you're talking because I- You're clicking around. I'm clicking around. And that's part of being a producer. That's not a problem. I I get to show up and just be like, hey, let's have a conversation. Yeah, let's talk about that. And that's the joy of my life. Basically, I'm driving the train here and you are the passenger who is just in charge. I get to put my arms out the window and go, Yeah, you're just in- and I got to make sure that everything is safe and everything is secure. So, And I don't need to worry. I get to be free. You're welcome. So we're going to talk about things that we have not even talked about you and I. What? We're going to just kind of mix it up. Okay. Let's just start instead of keep talking about do you like word. Do you like it when I talk about what we're about to talk when, about? When you're like, oh, today's going to be a mess. Today's going to be a total mess. You're going to love it. <laughs> we're going to talk about meaningful lives. And authenticity. And we're going to talk about character because I'm telling you, this word keeps coming to me because I've had some experiences in the last couple of weeks where I don't think people have an understanding of what character means. And and I say that because I think we've gotten, we'll be like, oh yeah, they have strong character, but they make these choices. Right. And I'm like, wait a second. We have to have a better understanding of, for example, differentiating between happiness and joy, mm-hmm. differentiating between um, between happiness and meaningful life and a meaningful life because that we're going to talk about a blog exactly and inside of all those Mm -hmm. inside of happiness and joy and happiness and a meaningful life is the definition of character right um because i think sometimes the things we say on this show about take care of yourself make yourself a priority think about yourself don't practice martyrdom sometimes get lost in do whatever you want whenever you want without caring about what others think that's the tricky part because people like even our producer back when we were with packet team he'd say we're not going to call this a Zen parenting radio. We're going to call it selfish parenting. Yeah. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Because 
somebody might interpret our message as, oh, I, I have to take care of myself. That means it, it gives me the permission to be selfish. Like, I'll give you an example. I uh, went to a, this is many years ago, but I went to a conference with a friend and it was all about this kind of stuff, self-care, self-awareness, you know, all those conferences I love to go to. And afterwards we were driving home and she said, well, I'm just going to cut in front of this person because I'm going to go first. And Who was I it? Need give to, me a name. I am not going to do that. And then she said, well, I'm just going to speed and drive on the shoulder because I need to get where I'm going and I'm going to make myself a priority. And I kind of laugh, but I'm like, you're, you're missing it. Mm-hmm. This is not about taking from others and, and putting yourself in front of other people and making sure your needs get met in spite of others. Right. It's about going inside. This is an internal compass thing. Right. Thinking about feeling, take the word thinking out, feeling what you need and finding a way within a the, family or the, the connectivity, con- the connectivity of everybody else and the context of your life to yeah. get that need met. Right. It doesn't mean overriding right. others. So I feel like that's the thing that gets messed mm-hmm. up. So we're going to talk about that today. Well, and I, I, another thing that let's just zero in on it. We just in the last month, you and I have had a lot of conversations between talking the talk and walking yes, the walk. Yes. And you might read books, you might listen to this podcast, you might go to all these conferences, but unless you apply those outside of those places, then it's not, doesn't do anything for you, right? We have this way of rationalizing our behavior where we'll say, well, that made me happy. I was talking about Michael Corleone. Yes, you brought that up as a perfect example. Remember at the end of Godfather Part 2, I think. Think it is no, it's part one. Part one because it's when Michael. That's right, totally and he's all in. and the priest is. Uh, you know, they're talking. To, the priest is saying, "Do you, you know, believe that you're a follower of Jesus?" And his you're child gonna, is being baptized. Thank you very much. I yep. thought it was a communion, but it was baptism. And Michael's saying, "Yep, I got it. I'm on board with your whole message, Mister Priest guy. I'm I'm full on Catholic." While yeah, at right. the same time, uh, he's out having all, all the heads of these five families murdered. Yes. So we have this way in our brain of saying, this is the kind of person I am, yet I make all these choices in life that can hurt people and can be harmful and that really aren't based in character. Right. And I think that our brain has, that's kind of one, I don't want to call it an illness, that's too strong. That's one of the the um, things that our brain can do to us to fool us, mm-hmm. is they can say, well, you're like this most of the time, so then this time you can just you know, not care about people. And right. this time you can treat this person you can pick and poorly. Choose. You get to pick and, and choose. And that doesn't mean we have to be perfect either. No. Here's the thing. And this is kind of diving right in the middle. But the thing about being perfect, obviously there is no such thing. But when I make a poor choice, meaning I say something to someone or I do something or I cheat something mm-hmm. or maybe I don't pay for something completely, there's all sorts of ways you can do things sure. on the internet these days that are kind of a, you can kind of cheat, right. you know? And I can usually, after making that choice, feel it, Mm -hmm. and this is a self-awareness piece, and decide whether or not that's something I want to do again. Right. And and, and so I'm 43, and I'm still making these kind of choices where I'm like brought back to center. I think that we get better. Mm -hmm. Like there's a lot of choices I would have made in my 20s that I would never make now. Movie reference. Remember Quiz Show? Um, who did Quiz oh, Show? Oh, yeah. That Rob, was a great movie. I want to say Robert Redford, but he had nothing to do with that um, show. It, it doesn't matter. Ray, Ray so, Fiennes. Yeah, it? he's one of the guys. And the guy was cheating on the Quiz Show yes. and making all this money. Yes. 
and he was asked to cheat right. too, which can make it even harder. So the um, guy who was investigating saying, "You got away with it. Why did you? Why did you come clean?" Right. And Ray Fine's character says, "It was the getting away with part I couldn't handle." That's right. You know what, Todd? You know what they always say about this is kind of taking it to extremes. But when someone is murdered, mm-hmm. okay, extreme example here. I have heard police officers, detectives say that the person who did it will tell somebody Mm -hmm. because human nature can't keep keep that that inside. Even if they're not completely, even if they haven't tapped into their heart yet where they feel the remorse, they have to talk about it because it's too big Mm -hmm. for them to keep inside. And when we do something, again, that's extreme, but when we make a choice that is harmful or that we know is wrong, and some, you know, some people will say, oh, there's just people out there who don't know the difference between right and wrong. I disagree. Mm-hmm. I think they've built up a numbness and kind of a wall around, well, I have, you know, I, I need to get what I need. I deserve this. And they've kind of forgotten what creates a meaningful life. And they're living on the surface right. of these like blips of happiness, right. which doesn't sustain you right. because you have to constantly find new ways to feel that happy externally. It's like filling a bucket with water that's got a big hole Huge in the bottom. Hole. Of it. Right. And it's just dripping out and dripping out. And you keep saying, well, I'm going to get more and I'm going to do this again. And I'm going to do this again. And they're not sustaining their sense of of feeling good about who they are and how they treat the world. And that may mean when you feel good about who you are and how you treat the world, you don't get to to partake in every pleasure right. that's out there. But you feel good mm-hmm. about who you are right. and you sleep well. Living from the inside out. Yes. So I want you to summarize the article that we're going to talk about. I okay. don't know where it is. But before that, I want to talk about our first partner, Dr. Okay. Kelly at the Tree of Life Chiropractic Care here in Elmhurst, Illinois. Um, they have the, um, actually it's funny. No, they don't have the earaches seminar. I might need that help. Todd's got an earache. He woke up with a lot of pain. It's getting a little better though. It was swollen around here. I know. So anyways, uh, August 12th, 10, 15 in the morning, Dr. Kelly Tree Life, she's got, um, a new technology that talks about how she delivers precise targeted adjustments when you get an adjustment at her uh, office. So, um, chirotree.com number 630-941-8733. Uh, we believe in Dr. Kelly, and if you believe in chiropractic care, maybe you can give her a call and see if that's something up your alley. So um, let's now talk about this thing that I just sent to you. Okay, so Todd sent me this blog called How the Science of of a Meaningful Life Can Help Us Live Joyfully and Well. And again, we love adding research to the things that we hold dear because I think it, it carries some validity and helps people embrace it. Um, this came from a website, Todd, called Men Alive. Yeah, this is a guy, oh, I don't even know his name. Oh, Jed Diamond. Jed he, Diamond. He, um, whatever, he did this um, seven-part seminar series where he interviewed all these people. So I got on his list and the li- and. Uh, he's got some pretty good stuff. So I don't know this guy, but he's got some good stuff. So, Well, I'm only going to paraphrase this blog because I want to pull out the important pieces. But he starts by saying um, that because he actually graduated from uh, – he graduated with a degree in psychology. So we have a similar background in that I graduated with my uh, clinical social work degree and both of our training, his training and my training involved a lot of problem solving when it, when it comes to people in diagnosis, Mm -hmm. mainly all of clinical graduate school is about finding what's wrong with somebody. Right. Okay. So you use a a book called the DSM four, actually the DSM five is out now, uh, the diagnostic, uh, 
statistical manual that basically gives you all the um, diagnoses. All the things that are wrong with people. All the things that can be wrong with people and all the symptomatology that you would look for. So it goes without saying that every single person who has gone through psychiatry, psychology, social work, counseling, anything under that has felt like they could diagnose them. Right. Because while I was in graduate school, I thought I had an anxiety disorder. I thought, you know, I was having more panic attacks. And basically, when you're focusing on what's wrong, you see it mm-hmm. everywhere. So what he's talking about is how the diagnostic uh, statistical manual has grown so tremendously. And now there's so many more ways to label people yeah. as being... Um, ill yeah. in some way, mentally ill. And so he he starts talking about positive psychology and how, as clinicians, we're missing the boat um, when it comes to helping people. There should be a book on positive disorders. Well, I mean, the, I'm just those, making that up. But those are, what's that word when they go together? It's an oxymoron. Because the whole idea of positive psychology is understand what's working first. And interestingly enough, after um, about 10 years ago, I got a degree in parent coaching at the Parent Coaching Institute um, in uh, Washington. And the focus of coaching is on what's working. Right. So, and not just for the PCI, but for all coaching programs. What you focus on grows. What you focus on grows. That's the basic premise. So it kind of, you know, it's a nice shift to have where you start focusing on what's working. And he starts talking about, um, you know, what we need to focus on, not only as clinicians, but as people, is how to find mental health and well-being, okay? And that he, let's see, he's talking about an author named, what's his name? Datcher Keltner. I hope I'm saying that right. these scientists have kind of cool names? Well, I don't know, but that is a Datcher. Is it Dasher or Datcher? It's Prancer. (laughs) It's Vixen. Well, he's the director of the Greater Good Science Center at the University of California, Berkeley. And he wrote a book called Born to be Good, The Science of a Meaningful Life. He says, emotion is the source of a meaningful life. Positive emotions such as compassion, love, gratitude, and awe can guide us in our search for joy and meaning. Sounds kind of familiar. Yeah, it does. Um, so further research shows that it may be more important to our health and well-being to pursue to pursue a meaningful life rather than always trying to find happiness. And I feel like we've been defining the difference between happiness and a meaningful life. But the best way that I can do it without thinking too hard is happiness. And everybody's definition is different. So I can only share you with, with you what mine is. But when I think of happiness, I think of something good that happens to me. Mm-hmm. Whereas meaning is something that comes from inside instead of from outside. And I will say, because we've talked about Sean Acor's research research in his books on this show, and he talks about happiness and how to find more happiness. He's trying to change the definition of happiness to being more similar to joy. Got it. Because he's trying to help people instead of searching externally for happiness, he's trying to get them to go internally. But for the sake of this conversation, let's differentiate between happiness. Happy outside, hap- meaning, or meaning joy. Or joy inside. inside. So- uh, you know, let's let's do that for the sake of this conversation. So there's this study from social psychologist Jennifer Aker, mm-hmm. and she talks about the five inherent differences between meaningfulness and happiness. And she does say that a lot of there's a lot of overlap between them. But I want to go through these five things and see what your thoughts are because one of them I think is an interesting one. But the first one is happy people satisfy their wants and needs, but that seems largely irrelevant to a meaningful life. Well, and I think that's the external again, the wants and needs, because that's the idea that once I buy this car, 
it's going to feel so great. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is, is it's fun to buy a car. And if you need a new car, go buy one. There's nothing wrong with that. But when you think that's going to somehow keep you happy for a significant amount of time, mm-hmm. that's where we fall short. Right. Because the truth is, is that's a fleeting thing. Right. That's not something that can be sustained. You know what we do is we'll try and buy something else. Well, it's weird because I, just the term wants and needs. I think of needs as food, water, clothing, warmth, a roof over your head. Mm-hmm. Those are all needs. Everything else is a want, but I will talk about myself for a second. I want to make sure that my girls will be able, that will be able to afford college for my daughters, assuming they want to go there. I feel like that, I I know it's a want, but I feel like it's a need. Like once I have enough money in the bank account that, that there's going to be enough funds, then I'll be able to relax. Then I will be able to be happy. Then I will have joy. And I know that's messed up. Yeah. But that's my own internal struggles. I know. And it's good that you can verbalize it because there's really no... You've created that story in your head. Absolutely. Like if you can back up, back up, beep, 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 none of that means anything. Do you know what I mean? Like all of that could fall away, Todd, and we could lose money and we could, you know, and our girls could decide... A little late. Always a little late. Um, And they could decide (laughs) to not go to college and all those things. And that doesn't need to take away from our sense of joy or meaning. I know. Though you've created a story around once this happens, I'll be happy. And what's scary and sad, Todd... Is if we if we achieve that some way I'm putting that in quotes meaning if you if we have some kind of huge windfall or our business just takes off in this extreme way and all of a sudden we have enough money my for all worries that, will switch to something else exactly I and know. you will be some people who have who have had a dream and then they've reached that dream have become depressed yeah do you remember Ted Turner's uh, yeah. talk on MasterClass yes Ted Turner was on MasterClass and he he was saying that his father taught him. Don't create dreams around things like, I want to have a ranch. This is his dad talking. His dad said, I want to make a million dollars. I want to have a ranch, um, you know, and I want to have a boat and I want to have this. And he said, that's my dream for life. And once he achieved that, he felt he empty. Could, he felt empty and he couldn't push beyond it. He was like, this is all I want in my life. And, and he kind of had that empty whole feeling of, is this all there is? Right. So what he told Ted is have unlimited dreams. Mm-hmm. Just just instead don't of focus have on a dream. A dream and don't focus on attainment like mm-hmm. I need a house. Mm-hmm. Focus on I just put my hand in front of my microphone. Focus on things that people say you can't do. Like right. for example, starting a cable news network or basically saving the buffalo yeah. on our planet. These things Which, that that he did. That he has done yeah. that were beyond people's thinking. Mm-hmm. And that brought meaning to him. Yeah. And so I guess my point is, is that that's a story and you're not alone. Obviously I do that. I do. You know what? I am right now. My, uh, my, my book is being edited and it's going into the publishing phase. And I remember the first book I did, which was however many years ago. And I thought once I publish this book, I'll be happy and I'll be done. And then I can be like complete and yeah. every and my whole career will be complete and you know what happens you want another you one. want another one yeah. and the more i become aware of that the more i enjoy this process because i realize that at the end of it there is no like pot of gold mm-hmm. and i mean that literally and i mean that emotionally it's just the joy of doing it well and the fact that you say once i become aware of that and i think i know what you mean when you say that you're basically saying when you're lost in thought or you're lost in ego and you're like, if I could just do this third book and then I'll be happy. Then I'll be happy. You're still going to have those thoughts. Of course I do. The trick is to be able to be aware that, 
okay, this is my ego having these thoughts and this really isn't going to make me happy. And it's being self-aware enough to recognize where they're coming from because, Todd, what they do is they dress up in different clothes because I will be feeling really anxious. Like, I have to contact this person. This has to be edited. Todd, you have to do your part. We have to finish this. And then I'll be angry on that external level and I'll have to back up and say, now, where's all that emotion coming from? And it's coming from that subconscious place of that this book is going to change my life and it needs to happen quickly. When I realize that that story is not true, Mm -hmm. then everything after that changes. Then I can, over the weekend, put my computer away and not work. Then I cannot be so worried about getting an email out. But we have to back up the story and be like, where's all that emotion coming from? Mm -hmm. And that's the whole self-awareness piece is it's not about Todd and it's not about the email. It's about what I feel, what's pressing that emotion. Okay. Number two, happiness involves being focused on the present. This is the one that I thought was interesting. Okay. Whereas meaningfulness involves thinking more about the past, present, and future and the relationship between them. Additionally, happiness was seen as fleeting where meaningfulness seemed to last longer. Okay. Forget about that last sentence. But we always talk about on this show how you need to be present. You need to be mindful. Right. You need to be thinking about the now. Whereas this is saying happiness is about being in the now, but meaningfulness is thinking about before and after. So this number two contradicts what I think is our message. No, it doesn't contradict. It, it's a it's a fine line differentiation. Okay. okay? And I'm kind of doing something with my fingers that you can't see because I can feel it. You're playing the violin. It might be with my little fingers, yeah. little cricket. Yeah. Um, it might, uh, you're going to play crickets. I, I'm not going to play. You think you know me. <laughs> <laughs> and I say that because I can feel the difference and hopefully I can do a, a good job explaining it. Um, the difference is, is that notice that they were use the word relationship between the past, present, and future. Not yes, that that is the place where we have to live. So many people, Todd, are so in their head that they're never present. So they're always in the past. They're always in the future. So they don't even know what this moment feels like because they can't feel it. Right. Being present doesn't mean saying the past doesn't ever matter screw the future. I'm going to eat a bucket of ice cream right now. We've all done that, but you know, not a bucket, but Mm -hmm. a Ben and Jerry's. Have you ever finished a whole Ben and Jerry's? I've wanted to many times and, um, I think I could very easily, but no, I've never done it. And the thing that drives me nuts about Ben and Jerry's and most other packaging and buckets is they mess with your brain because you think you have a lot left, but there's like that three quarters of an inch from the bottom to where the actual ice cream is. They push it up on the bottom. They push it up on the bottom. Just like the... uh, They're messing with me. The potato chip bag is only half full. Exactly. It's a marketing I I noticed how you said half full and not half empty. Nice job, sweetie. Thank you. I, I didn't even mean to. Okay. Thank you. So what I was saying was... Every once in a while we'll do that, big deal. But I'm not focusing on the details here. I'm focusing on the fact that when you're making a choice in the present, it's got to involve some past experience, right? Right. You're going to have like, you know, that's why children run into the street. Adults know to look both ways because they've learned and they have past experience. Also looking into the future means where do I want to go? What do I want to do? And when we're making choices in the present, we may be like, you know what? I don't want to go to college. That sounds like too much work. I just want to be happy. Right. But then we're like, you know what? Part of 
living a meaningful life is being educated for the future. And I can find a content place in college if that's what's right for me. Right. It may also be a community college. It may also be in a trade. Mm-hmm. I'm not just pushing college right. here. But do you see how we're focused on stuff we've learned in the past? Right. It's all, it all becomes this beautiful place inside of us that I call our internal compass, hmm. where I think our internal compass carries what our, and again, you know, I know I'm going off the deep end here for some people, but it carries who we are and who we're meant to be in this world. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean status. Right. I mean, what t- gifts we have. Yeah. So we kind of, that's the future. We're being pushed toward that. And then our internal compass also carries all of our past experiences. So we learn from it. Right. Not to hold on to pain, but to say that's who I want to be or who I don't want to be. Right. And then the present is the melding of all yeah. of that. Does well, that make sense? It does. And I think that the key is, well, I'll come back to where you started, which is the relationship between the yesterday, today, and tomorrow. It's I think when we get lost in present moment or ego or thought, it's when we are living inside of the past yes. or we are living inside totally. of the future totally and we forget about this present moment yes. right here so i think it's all about having the uh, perspective of of not forgetting yesterday and tomorrow while at the same time living in today you know it's funny one of the things that when people come to me and they'll ask me questions about their kids or life or something like that and then i'll they'll ask me this big long question and i'll say well what do you think and then they'll they'll tell me mm-hmm. exactly what they believe and i'll be like well how about that you know like they already know right. what they need right the reason people ask questions are they question themselves because of their past experiences right. because maybe someone was domineering in their life or didn't listen to them or maybe not so harsh but some experience or they're so worried about the future and all the stories that they've heard that they can't make a decision but the truth is you always know what to do i'm not saying it's easy to always get to that point because sometimes there's challenges when you know what to do right. sometimes you have to make a choice and that may be uncomfortable for for whatever reason. But my point is, is that that's being present is feeling what has been knowing what could be, but making the best choice in the moment. That's not only good for you because it, it feels like who you are. You're, you're honoring your internal compass, but you're also being compassionate toward others. You know who you are? Who? You are everybody. You You are everybody. Were there any other lines in that song? I don't... You got to find that song. I think that's the most important line in that song. Um, Was that ever on iTunes? I don't know. What was that band's name? Drive Shaft. Yes. Was it Drive Shaft? I think that's right. Hey, Lost fans. Nobody else knows what we're talking about. (laughs) Well, people who watch Lost I was in a conversation with some friends, some good friends, and I don't think I'm going to be their friends anymore because they said (laughs) Lost is not a good show. So whoever you were, I am now defriending you. You know what? Lost is is work. And I love that emotional and spiritual and sometimes mental work yeah. that that show provided. You want to know why? Because it was all leaning toward good. Yeah. When shows, I've heard The Leftovers... I saw the first, I saw one of the first ones. Some people have told me that, you know, it's got the same kind of mental work, mm-hmm. but it's leaning toward bad, negative. Fear. And it may, it may curve the other way. Yeah, it so may far. need to get us afraid first, but I felt like every episode of Lost, you could kind of see the curve toward mm-hmm. good. Yeah. You know, like you knew even when people were really lost mm-hmm. that they would 
We got to go back, Kate. We got to go back. Got to go back. See, there's a perfect example. He was off that island. He yeah. was done with it. Guess what he ended up doing? We're talking about Jack, everybody, Lost fans. Um, he started drinking. He yeah. couldn't handle the motion. All the he wanted to do was get off felt. that island. He, and got, off he got off and he was miserable. Because you know why? He, he didn't fulfill his destiny. Yeah. He's like, there was a reason I was there and all I did was work to get off and I didn't listen yeah. to... Um, to Ben? No, not Locke. Ben. Locke. John Locke. Yeah. John Locke. The blending of Jack and John Locke would be a great person. Man of science versus man of faith. Because they don't need to be verses. And I think that's what Jack became. Oh, he became both. a man of faith. He became a man of faith, but he didn't like disregard all of his right. science. He could still use it to operate on Ben's back. That's right. We got to go. We got to move forward. Okay, go. Uh, meaningfulness is derived from giving to other people. Happiness comes from what they give to you. So true. I think that that's a pretty amazing statement. Well, any any of us know at the holidays or at birthdays, how good does it feel to give someone a gift mm-hmm. that they really enjoy? Mm-hmm. But if our intention behind giving a gift is so we get something back, that feels, first of all, uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Second of all, then that's how we hold grudges against people. Right. And we're missing the whole boat. Well, and I've said on this show, uh, if you want, and this this is not mine by any means, people have written books and done movies about it, but if you really want to attract something in your life, you need to give it away. Mm-hmm. And I believe that to be true. And that includes money and f- whatever, accolades. If you want you know, somebody to recognize you, you need to start recognizing other people. And so, well, and I want to give a shout out to my friend, Jessica um, at Synergy Creative, who's one of my best friends, but she also has this amazing business that has helped us out a lot too. Mm -hmm. But part of her business plan, because she owns her own business is giving away a significant amount of what she makes. And her business coach really helped her with that and said, listen, you will be motivated to do better in your business and and then make more money so you can give more away. So instead of feeling bad about making money, we can view it as the more I can do and that, that I can bring in through what I do, the more I can help others. And man, she does. Well, and I have somebody like that in my life. You know what I'm talking about? Um, Jim boss. Oh my gosh. Yes. Uh, yes. I have a, my boss, I work as a sales rep of a construction company or a company that sells to construction companies. Um, and he just pledged $500,000 to the PCI foundation, which is basically, um, goes back to the students who are learning about engineering and architecture. And so he's giving to education kids and the industry as a whole. Exactly. So they end up going into the business and keeping this business, not and just his business, the, but entire, the entire industry. industry. Right. And that's what, that's character, man. Yeah. That is walking the walk. Walk in the walk. That is saying, I'm going to enjoy what I do and I'm going to have a good life and I am going to do well in my business and all that. But I am also going to give back. Well, and for those of you who are bosses, I'm sure there's a lot of executives or whatever that listen to the show. Jim shares everything that he gets with his employees that's too. Right. And that's why he's received the loyalty from me for the last 20 years yeah. is because I know as long as he's doing well, I'll do well. That's right. And it's just, it's a, such a simple thing and well, so few people do it. And taking it beyond you, because, and we've already said this, but just watching him as a man, mm-hmm. you know, having somebody that you, because that's something that I think you and I hold so dear is certain people who do things like um, give or who are, what's that word? You know, they're beyond themselves. They're just, they're so in flow mm-hmm. with making sure this world and this planet is taken care of. And I emulate them. Yeah. You know, I just, 
I'm so in awe of them. And I think that that, so not only does Jim take care of you, but you watch him right. take care of others, just uh, like Jessica does. Number four, meaningful lives involve stress and challenges. That's interesting. Higher levels of worry, stress, and anxiety were linked to higher meaningfulness, but lower happiness, which suggests, suggests that engaging in challenging or difficult situations that are beyond oneself or one's pleasure promotes meaningfulness, but not happiness. Does that mean anything to you? Well, I think when I read it, that sometimes people who are living on that surface level and mm. searching for that external happiness, they don't deal with what's true. Right. And it's interesting because the other article that you gave me about mindfulness and about sitting, yeah. a lot of people, um, and because we'll go to that in a second, but a lot of people will say, well, I sat in quiet for two minutes and it didn't feel good. I'm done with it. It doesn't work. Yeah. And you, it's, it is work and you have to trust that what you're doing is meaningful. Right. And you have to trust that sitting there is, you know, when people say, oh, you can do that, but I can't do that. Baloney. Right. Every human being can do it. It is uncomfortable initially because guess what you're left alone with? Your thoughts. Mm-hmm. But do you understand that your thoughts are doing that all day long and they're dictating your behaviors and your feelings? Yeah. So to be able to sit as hard as that can be initially, because it gets easier, yeah. as difficult as that can be, that's what I view as like a, a, a difficult, what, is, what does he say, a challenge mm-hmm. that maybe someone who's living on the surface is Won't unwilling to there. take it on. Okay, that makes sense. Okay. I got you. All right, last but not least, self-expression is important to meaning, but not happiness. Mm-hmm. What's that all about? Well, I think for the same thing, when you are living from a place of where you want meaning in your life, that means, again, you're going with your internal compass. And again, you guys may use the word heart or soul, Mm -hmm. you know, just you, whoever you are inside. And that means that you have to express how you feel. That means you need to ask for what you need. That means you need to let people know when they hurt you. That means you may need to walk away from a job that's not right. That may mean that you need to, you know, switch careers or... you, when you are living a life of meaning, you become whole right? or you're working toward that becoming whole, which means you need to integrate all pieces of yourself. Right. And one of those big pieces is the way you feel. Mm-hmm. And when you start to integrate that into your daily experience, life becomes more fluid right. because you're not repressing right. feelings and trying to just attain happiness from stuff and yeah. people. Yeah. So that's kind of the way I look at it. I'm with you. I'm with you. All right. Um, I want to move on to this other blog, but before I want to talk about John Kelly, sweetie. John Kelly. It's not your father's dentist. Well, we were with Dr. Kelly this week. We were. Or a few days ago because our girls are starting their their mouth work. That's right. And it's not orthodontics. Yeah. He doesn't do the traditional orthodontics uh, thing and it's... He's got very specific reasons why he doesn't do that. Right. And he start the earlier the better. Like he he's starting with Cameron who's nine and JC who's eleven and Cameron's actually in a better position to get help. He doesn't believe in the hardwired dentist uh, orthodontics mm-hmm. because it retracts. Because it basically it will fix your teeth, but it'll be at the expense of either your airway or the way your face literally develops. And he's shown us pictures of what happens to girls and boys' faces with braces. It changes it. It does. And, and I'm actually having all these awarenesses of my own about my facial development mm-hmm. and and some... So facial development, it's kind of like... It, I'm sorry, I totally no, interrupted no, you, but what he said it does is at times, I mean, this isn't every time, but at times when you basically manipulate your teeth in such a way with hardwire orthodontics, 
um, it will make your face face longer and flatter. It can because all you're doing is you're pulling the teeth back at the expense of the alignment of your body. Here's the reason that Todd and I love Dr. Kelly besides that Todd's known him forever. We love what he does and bedside manner, all that kind of stuff. But hit all of these these ways that he's thinking about teeth and the way that he's correcting it is in alignment with the rest of the body. Right. So getting braces won't then affect the back of your neck and mm-hmm. then affect your face. It's actually going to put everything in the proper position as our girls grow. Right. And so these are the things that sometimes we don't think about because all we think about is I want my kids' teeth to be straight. I don't care how. Well, he showed us the pictures with Cameron and then we'll get off this, but he showed us that Cameron's lower jaw is a little mm-hmm. off to, oops, off to one side. Yes. And over years and years, that can turn into a TMJ or some jaw well, issues. And or- just how like to her, because her jaw is off to one side, her tongue is like hanging out the other side and her teeth aren't able to grow in. Yeah. He showed us how her teeth can't grow. So there's all these pieces mm-hmm. in dentistry. Sometimes we just think about get the teeth cleaned, put on the braces, but there's, there's all more these to pieces it. that affect our well-being. And I recommend all of our listeners from Chicago to give Dr. Kelly a call. I yeah. mean, I, I've never believed he's very good at explaining some of these not so easy concepts to us lay people and I believe in them wholeheartedly so even explain it to the girls That's where right. they understood it yeah. yeah and they're so they're they're on they're on board they're on board all right um so let's talk about this other blog I found and the title of it is men would rather give themselves electric shocks <laughs> than sit alone with their thoughts okay wow the researchers conducted 11 experiments in a variety of sen- settings and among a variety of age groups. In most of them, subjects were asked to simply chill out and think for 6 to 15 minutes. No phone, no book, no nothing, and then rate the experience. And lo and behold, obviously, the participants found this very, very challenging yes. to do. Um, so in one group, the, the experiment in... One group in one experiment was offered entertainment, like listening to music or surfing the web. They reported that that was much more enjoyable than being alone with their thoughts. Maybe not too surprising, but one of the experiments really upped the ante in a shocking way. In that one, participants were asked to rate the pleasantness or unpleasantness of a number of stimuli, including an electric shock. And then they were asked on whether they were asked how much of $5 they pay for the experience or not experience to each of them again. And what it basically comes down to is that a lot of men, and I don't even know if I agree with, I think this is people. I don't know if it's necessarily men. I mean, I know the study is- 67% of men and 25% of women shocked themselves. Instead of sitting alone and quiet. And- I'm just, I'm 42 years old. I could see myself 10 years ago wanting to get shocked instead of sitting alone. Like I've said on the show many times, we will read the back of a box of cereal instead of sitting with our, sitting thoughts. With our thoughts. I love the way that they wrote this though, because it says 67% of men and 25% of women nonetheless shocked themselves rather than face without distraction was apparently a terrifying hellscape inside their heads. And, and I'm not laughing at that because I know, I'm not laughing at these people because I know that can be challenging. I've dealt with with anxiety in my life and depression, depression. So sometimes it, your brain is a hellscape. But the thing is, is that the only way we think we can control our thoughts, if we stay away from them, or if we keep like putting other thoughts over them or distracting ourselves, but really the thoughts are still there. Mm-hmm. They're just kind of this undercurrent. Yeah. And if we really want to go to a place where we find this grounded sense of being, We have to practice being with the thoughts and noticing 
that they are just thoughts. Yeah. They are not true. Well, and I suffer. I mean, there are times when I sit in quiet and I'm completely fine. But usually at the end of the day, after you fall asleep, I will get on my phone and just search the web and get on USA Today app and just see if there's anything going on in the world instead of just sit there and restfully fall asleep. So I struggle with this. There's times when I don't struggle with it. And I do, you know, I sat under a tree with Skylar yesterday for 10 minutes and all we did was stare up at the sky and it was an amazing 10 minutes. Totally. So yeah, there's no like absolute. No, there isn't. But the one visual I always try is from Ed Bacon is the visual that he used when meditating or praying or sitting in quiet was the, um, what's it called? The the snow globes? The snow globes or a dirty cup. Yeah, a dirty cup with sand or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, it's going to be a little chaotic in the beginning. And then eventually it'll all sift to the bottom. That's what I think happens when you pray or meditate or you sit in quiet. In the beginning, it kind of sucks. But if you allow things to settle, you'll get to where you want to be, which is present, I guess. Calmer. Yeah. And the thing is, is that you then in that place become the observer and you notice your thoughts. Your thoughts do not stop. Mm -hmm. You just notice that they go from one place to another, to another, to another. And you realize when you're not in that calm place that you allow those zooming thoughts to become your reality when really they're not reality. And I want to say this again, um, the initial act of sitting in quiet is not easy. So for those of you who are like, I've tried it, it's too hard, I can't do it, it you're having a normal experience. Yeah. One thing that I heard um, Russell Simmons say on um, uh, Oprah's- Life class? No, it was on Master's Super class? Soul Sunday. Oh, Super Soul. That I appreciated because it was just so simple. It's just, you know, such a simple way to say it because I do the, uh, the exact same thing. Set your alarm for however many minutes, 10 minutes- and sit and and be you know think about this way you're at the mercy of your alarm yeah. you're you're not going to get up until that goes off so you have to sit in that what you would initially call discomfort mm-hmm. where you'd say well why am i doing this your brain is going to go nuts on you yeah. it's going to go monkey brain and it's going to go what a waste of time and this is so crazy and you and could I'm be so doing so many other things right now oh you you know you could be on your computer you could be and that's normal that's what monkey brain is, is it goes crazy when you first start sitting. What's interesting is over time, the more you practice, if you practice five minutes a day for like three weeks. It's like working out. It's just like working a muscle. All of a sudden, it's still a little chaotic, just like Todd said, when when you sit down, I always have a little chaos when I sit down where what I always recognize when I sit down is what I'm really thinking about, where I'll be like, wow, that thing from last week is still bugging me because it's still in my thoughts. And then that place that Todd just said where everything sifts to the bottom, you can feel that shift. Mm -hmm. And I don't go into a place where I'm like, uh, you know, it's not like, it doesn't have to be some like esoteric thing. I just feel the difference. And then when I come downstairs, the energy is different. So again, you know, you don't need to shock yourselves. Yeah, don't shock yourself. Shock the monkey. Just sit in quiet. Do you remember shock the monkey? I do. I didn't like Peter Gabriel though. Oh my gosh. He just got in the Hall of Fame. Congratulations. How do you not like Peter Gabriel? I'm not such a fan. What about Salisbury Hill? It's just because of Sledgehammer. That video drove me nuts. He won awards for those videos. Sledgehammer. I can't stand that song. Can't stand it. What about Big Time? Big, 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 big time. (laughs) Brutal. All right. um, My last, my hit and run topics. I only have one. Okay. Actually, I have three, but we only have time for one. Okay. Archie Comic Digest. Okay. People are still writing for this comic. Oh, good. It's a Ziggy. 
Um, spoiler alert. So if you don't want to know what happens in the next edition of Archie, shut off the podcast right now. Okay. Archie takes a bullet for his gay friend and dies. What? Archie dead. How old is Archie at this point? Is he still in high school? Yeah, he's always in high school. Okay, so he hasn't grown up. No, the comic's like 100 years old. Okay. But he dies, and they'll they'll keep writing backstories, but they're making him die. And he's taking a bullet for his gay friend. Crazy. Isn't that weird? Why is his gay friend being shot at? I didn't read the comic. I just saw this on NPR. And why is is Okay. You're you're about to ask me a question I don't know the okay. answer to. Well, I find that all interesting, but I feel like I need a lot more information because who is this character that he's taking the bullet for, and is that an exceptional part of who this character is? Because I feel like we're kind of in that. I just think it's weird because I don't ever remember Archie doing anything meaningful. Not that he was a bad guy, but they're always about you know eating burgers, and he's trying to get it on with uh, Betty or Veronica. He, you know, character would be choosing one or the other. That's right. <laughs> he played the field. Um, who did you like? Jughead. Every, no, Betty or Veronica? Oh, um, I think Veronica was a little bit more physically attractive, but personality-wise, Veronica could sometimes be not so nice. Oh, really? And Betty was like a goody two-shoes girl. Okay. I guess I don't remember them well enough. Yeah. And Reggie, he was a twerp. Who's Reggie? I can't remember Reggie. He's kind of the bad guy. Did he have guy, the crown? But sometimes they were friends. No, that's Jughead. Oh, that's Jughead. Come on, okay. get it together. All right, promotion. Here we go. Um, donate to BU on Kathy's page. Mm-hmm. Um, sign up to get these uh, Kathy's blogs and our podcast to your inbox, and that's on our homepage. So just subscribe. Uh, you have two books. I do. Uh, Self Aware Parent Part One and Part Two. Mm-hmm. You can buy them on your website mm-hmm. or Amazon. And then uh, August 9th, Green Fair on the Fox, 9 to 3. Come visit us because we're going to be lonely because we don't know many people in Batavia. That's not true. My I, family's there. Yeah, I know four people. Four, what about my parents? They don't live in Batavia. They live in Geneva. Yeah, so we need help. What about Amy Rogers? She lives in St. Charles. Well, come out and visit us, Amy. Okay. 9 o'clock to 3 o'clock. It's, uh, it'll be in our show notes, but August 9th. So come join us and hang out with us. And don't forget to shop uh, via Amazon. Shop Amazon via our homepage because that'll be good too. Yeah. Anything else, sweetie? No. Nothing? I think you should find a Peter Gabriel song and play it. Maybe I will. Maybe I'll cut this music out and put in the Peter Gabriel one. Okay. All right, everybody. Oh, don't forget about our last partner, Avid. 630-956-1800. Jeremy has had a really busy summer. So to those of you ZPR listeners who contact Jeremy, thank you for supporting him and our business. Um, and But he is a one busy man. Yeah, he is. He, when you're good at what you do, that's what happens. We'll see you next week. Keep trucking. Keep trucking. Keep trucking.